Let's pray together. Our gracious Father in heaven, um, thank you for giving us this incredible privilege to gather together like this and to be reminded of who you are and to just kind of set other things aside for a while and, and focus on your greatness, your goodness. Uh, thank you, Lord, for those words we just sang. Um, Lord, they're true words. That truly nothing compares to your love and your embrace. But Lord, that's not often how we feel. Uh, Lord, our, we often want or struggle with wanting other things. So it's good to come back and to be reminded again of, you, of your great love, your great truth, and how much we need you, how much we need to understand that you are our heart's desire. You are the fountain of living water who alone can quench our deepest thirst. So Lord, now we come to, uh, to listen to you speak to us through your book. Uh, Lord, enable me uh, to speak what you once said today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's get into the Bible together. Uh, we are going to be in Titus chapter 1. Titus, if you don't know where that is, that's in the New Testament. And uh, it comes just a couple of books before Hebrews. So if you flip through your Bible and get to Hebrews and back up two books, you'll find Titus. Uh, there's also a note sheet in your folder, and the words will be up on the screen. By the way, if you don't own a Bible and you would like one, there's one in the rack in front of you, and you'd be heartily encouraged to take that and make it yours. All right, here we go. Titus chapter 1. We're going to look at the first four verses. Let's listen now to the word of the Lord. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness a faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God who does not lie promised before the beginning of time. And at his appointed season, he brought his word to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior. To Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. So today we're beginning a new series. It's entitled Do Good. And it comes from this book, uh, Titus. And as you may have noticed, it's, it's actually a letter written by the Apostle Paul to one of his co-workers and good friends, Titus. Titus was one of Paul's go-to guys. Uh, when Paul had something important that he needed done and, and he couldn't be there, uh, he had some important responsibilities. These are the guys that he could send into difficult situations and he could trust them to get in there and handle it on his behalf. Titus was one of those, Timothy, there were a few others. And uh, as we're going to see, Paul has 
entrusted an important responsibility to Titus in a place called Crete. How many of you know where Crete is? It's in the Mediterranean. That's an ocean, a sea, and it's right below the uh, uh, nation of Greece. Crete is an island there. And uh, the situation is this, that there are some relatively new churches that have been established in Crete. And Paul wants Titus to to, uh, help these churches get off to a good start and to avoid some big problems. And so this letter that he writes to Titus, uh, Paul writes to him, contains the game plan for doing that, helping these churches get off to a good start and avoid big problems. So this book is important reading for any church that wants to be healthy, that wants to be obedient to the Lord. And it, uh, in particular, this book has a lot to say about doing good, which is why I chose that for the title of the series. You know, being a Christian is never theoretical. It's never theoretical. You can talk about Christianity in a theoretical way, but being a Christian is never theoretical. And Christianity is not just an idea. It's it's not just a set of beliefs that people agree with in their heads. Yes, definitely, there are some things you need to believe to be a Christian. That's important. But at the heart of it, it's not a set of beliefs. You know what it is? It's a life. Being a Christian is a life. It's, as the verses said, it's about eternal life. It's about a connection with the life of God himself in the person of Jesus Christ. We, we can't reduce Christianity down to just a, a set of things that we agree with in our head. It's, it's this life, this connection with God in Christ. That's what makes a person a Christian, having that connection. And that connection changes us. It changes everything about us. Not all at once. It begins at a certain point when we become connected to Christ, but then the changes begin, and God's desire is that we be changed completely. It doesn't just change our beliefs. It changes everything about us, really. Uh, we just finished a series last week, and it's called Delight Yourself in the Lord. And the focus of that series was all about how being connected to Christ impacts our affections, our desires. How God wants us to pursue our happiness in Him. And I think this is going to be a good follow-up, because now the focus is going to be on how being connected to Christ affects our behavior, how we live, what we do. Being a Christian isn't just about what we believe. It's also about what we desire, and it's about what we do. And when it comes to what we do, this book has one main lesson for us that we're going to see again and again, and it is do good. Do good. I want to do just a quick flyover of the book, and you'll be able to see it for yourself. It's a fairly short book. You know, it's only three chapters. 
total of 46 verses, which means you can read the whole thing through in 5-10 minutes. And by the way, I'd really encourage you to do that. Over the next several weeks as we're going through the series, take time during the week, once or twice or three times, and read it. It won't take you very long, 5-10 minutes. And there's just no substitute for that. You know, you, you want to get God's Word in your life, you gotta, you got to open it up. you got to read it. So it's a small book, but it contains some big truth, and it really makes a big deal out of how we ought to live. Again and again, we're told that if we genuinely believe in Jesus Christ, if we trust Him, if we are connected to Him, then we need to live out that faith by doing good. Take a look. You'll see the emphasis. Okay, chapter 1, verse 1 starts out, Paul says he's a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth, look at this, that leads to godliness. Now, we'll talk more about that in a minute, but godliness here means doing things that are good because they're God-like. They are the kind of things that God himself does. So the knowledge of the truth leads to godliness. Chapter 1, verse 8. This is part of a list of qualifications for elders. And it says, an elder must be hospitable, one who loves what is good. Somebody who loves what is good does what is good. Verse 16, this is about certain false teachers. And it says, they claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. So now this is the flip side of this. People who don't do what is good show by their actions that they don't really know God. Chapter 2, verse 3. Here Paul's talking about instructing different groups of people, and he says, Likewise, teach the older women to teach what is good. Verse 7. In everything, you, Titus, set them example by doing what is good. Verse 12, the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Verse 14, Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Chapter 3, verse 1, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and to be ready to do whatever is good. Verse 8, this is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things, so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. And verse 14, our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good. What do you think? Did I miss it or did I get it right? Seems pretty obvious, doesn't it? Believers in Jesus are to do good. They are to be eager to do good. Eager to do good. They are to be ready, prepared to do good. They are to be careful to do good and devoted. Devoted. Think about that word. Devoted to doing good. I think it's safe to say Jesus wants his followers to do good. And that probably seems really obvious, right? 
Christians should do good. Duh. I mean, how basic is that? But I wonder, I wonder if we realize how important it really is. I wonder if we feel the urgency of this, of how significant this is, why it matters. See, doing good is not trivial. And it's not just an optional extra in life as a Christian. You know? This idea that, you know, I, I, I received Christ into my life and so now I'm forgiven of my sins and that's, that's, that's the thing. And oh, and if I get around to doing some good things about it, well, that's icing on the cake, but it's not, it's not essential. No. No, it is essential. It, it's not an option. It's, it's not a, an afterthought. I think there have been times in my life when, it, when I've acted like that, though. Maybe you have, too. I mean, I was... I really like being right. My mom could tell you that. I, I like being correct. And when it comes to the truth, I really like to know and understand and be right about what truth is. Because I think that's important. And I think it is important. Now, I never would have said it, but I think there have been times in my life when I've been more concerned with getting my beliefs right than with getting my actions right. Do not misunderstand me. It's essential to get our beliefs right. A relationship with Christ begins when we finally realize who He really is, why He was born, why He died on a cross, why He rose from the grave, and why it's so essential that we put our trust in Him and believe the Gospel. Why we need Him to rescue us from our sin and, and our separation from God. Romans 1.16 I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. There is no salvation without hearing the gospel and believing, and putting our trust in Christ. So it's, it's critical. But here's the question. What are we saved for? What's salvation for? Salvation's not an end in itself. I mean, if you were out on a lifeboat doing a rescue mission on a cruise ship that went down, and, and you snatch somebody out of the water, you save them, you've rescued them, you don't just take them to shore and say, okay, now just, just stay there. You're saved. Just exist in this state of being saved. You're good. And, and we just leave them there. No. no. The point of being saved is now you go on living and do the things that you ought to do. Being saved is not an end. We're not saved just to be saved. And we're definitely not saved just to believe certain things. We are saved to become the people God wants us to be. 
and to live the lives He wants us to live and to fulfill the purpose He has for our lives. Did you notice here that God has a plan that goes way back? Did you see that? There's nothing accidental, there's nothing random about becoming a Christian. It's not random at all. Verse 2 says that God made a promise about eternal life before the beginning of time. That's a plan. Ephesians 1.4 For God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. That's a plan. That goes way back. And then here in verse 3 it says... He brought His Word to light at His appointed season. And then He entrusted Paul. He gave Paul the responsibility of proclaiming this Word, the Gospel. And verse 1 tells us that Paul is a servant of God and an apostle. Apostle means one who is sent. An apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of God's elect. Elect means chosen. Don't let that word bother you. People sometimes get very hung up. And they get worried about whether they're chosen or not. You know, the answer is very simple. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you're chosen. The Bible never tells us to figure out if we're elect, to figure out if we're chosen. It just tells us to admit we're sinners to believe in Jesus and to receive Him into our lives. That's how you know. That's how you know. And the point I'm trying to make here is that being elect means you're part of a plan. And God's plan is so much bigger than just forgiving our sins. It's so much bigger than that. His plan is to change you. His plan is to use you to make a difference. In this world, in your school, His plan is to use you in your job. His plan is to use you in your family. His plan is to use you in your neighborhood. His plan is to use you even around the globe. And how do, how do we make a difference in this world? Well, look at the cover of your worship folder. Do good. That's how. That's, that's the point we're going to see. It's not... It's not just by believing good things. It's not just by desiring good things. We make a difference in this world by doing good things. And God has us here for that. That's how we make a difference. So that's what this series is going to be all about. And we're going to get started today in just these first four verses. And we're going to talk about the ABCs of doing good. ABCs, fundamental essentials, prerequisites. You know, just like ABCs, you, you, can't, you cannot read, you cannot write until you get your ABCs. They're fundamental. And in the same way, we cannot do good without these essentials. We can't do good the way God wants us to do good without these ABCs that we see right here at the beginning of chapter 1, the end of verse 1 and the first part of verse 2. Notice these three things. 
talks about the faith of God's elect, the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, resting on the hope of eternal life. Everybody see those three things? Faith of God's elect, knowledge of the truth, hope of eternal life. Now I'm going to use three words that start with A, B, and C, just as a way to help us remember these things, because these are essential for doing good. This is square one. You got to have these ABCs, or you're not going to be able to do good. So here are the three words, acceptance, Bible, and confidence. I gave them to you all right in a row. Don't leave yet. Because I need some explaining. Acceptance, Bible, and confidence. We need these. Okay, when I'm talking about God's plan, here's God's plan. God's plan is to spread his goodness around. God's plan is to spread his goodness around through you. And to do that, we need these three things. First, acceptance. That's our A word. Now, there's more than one way you can explain faith. That's what I'm using acceptance for, to talk about faith. But this is a good word for it. Faith means accepting God's position and God's provision. Probably should have put that on a slide. Write it down, though. Faith means accepting God's position and God's provision. What am I saying? Accepting God's position. It means acknowledging, admitting, realizing, understanding that God is God and we're not. That's his position. He's God. Our position is not God. Faith is accepting that. And then it's accepting his provision. And that means to accept his provision means to receive from him as a free, undeserved gift everything that he wants to give us in Jesus Christ. That's the kind of acceptance I'm talking about. That's faith. Accepting God's position, accepting God's provision. I've said it already, but it's worth repeating. Faith is not simply believing certain facts in our head. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died on the cross for our sins. Knowing that is very important. But knowing that is not the same as faith. Satan knows that. Demons know that. Lots of people know that. That's not faith. Faith is more than that. Faith is trust. It's choosing to trust God. It's choosing to rely on all that He has done for us in Jesus Christ on that cross. It is admitting we can't make ourselves right with God no matter how hard we try. It's giving up that that strategy. It won't work. And instead, receiving. You can't, you can't achieve eternal life. You can only receive it. And faith is when we do that. Look at 1 John 5, 11 and 12. 
This is a testimony. God gave us eternal life. Well, if He gave it, it's a gift. He gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. God's gift is wrapped up in a person, Jesus Christ. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I love that. That is just so clear. God gives a gift. It's eternal life. It's wrapped up in Jesus. If you have Jesus, you have life. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have life. You need Jesus. You need to receive him as God's gift to you. So we need to receive his provision. And we need to accept his position, God. Now, why? Why? Okay, let's get back to the subject of doing good. Why do we need to accept God's position and his provision in order to do good? Several reasons. Lots of reasons, but here's a couple. For one thing, until Jesus comes into our life, forgives our sin, makes us right with God, everything we do is messed up by sin. It might not look messed up to us. It might not look messed up to other people, but God knows the heart. And God is the one who knows what's good and what isn't. So we need Christ and his forgiveness in order to be able to do things that are genuinely good. Also, until we accept that God is God and we're not, until we accept that God is in charge... (laughs) We try to be in charge. Until you accept that God is in charge, you're going to try to be in charge. And if you're in charge, you're going to follow your agenda and not his agenda, and it won't be good. It won't be good. Remember remember I said that God has a plan? Acceptance means following his plan. See, every day we get up, we face a decision. Every single day. And and not just when we first get up, but all through the day. And the decision we face is this. Who am I going to trust today with my life? Who's in charge here? Who's in charge? Who gets to call the shots? Who knows what's best? Who ultimately is going to meet my needs? Faith is not just a one-time choice. It begins with a one-time choice to put our trust in Christ, to turn from our sin and receive Him. But that's just the beginning. This choice is daily, it's hourly, sometimes it's minute by minute. Who's in charge here? Who am I going to trust with my life? Who calls the shots? Faith is a moment-by-moment acceptance of the leadership of Jesus Christ. That's essential to doing good. We need Christ in our lives, we need His provision, and we need to acknowledge Him as Lord, His position, acceptance. That's essential. Second word, B word, Bible. The Bible is essential to doing good. 
The end of verse 1 talks about the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. And I said earlier, godliness means godlikeness. And when we really know the truth, it leads us there. A genuine knowledge of the truth leads us to godliness. And where do we get this truth? It's a remarkable thing, really. it's, It's just amazing. You know, if you take Jesus seriously, if you take what he said seriously, if you take what his apostles said seriously, then you have to believe that God has spoken. And you have to believe that God caused what he spoke to be written down. I mean, just read what Jesus said. Read what his apostles said. God has spoken, and God caused what he spoke to be written down. That, by the way, is the meaning of the word scripture. God's word written down. This is how Paul describes it in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed. God-breathed. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So the man of God may be thoroughly equipped, look at it, for every good work. God spoke his word and had it written down. Scripture is for doing good. We have to know what God has said to do good. That means we've got to get his word out of these pages and into our lives. It means we've got to read it. We've got to know it. There are no shortcuts. We've got to learn what it's teaching us. And when I say it like that, what I mean is the Bible has lessons, message, truth for us. Don't just read it and think that, okay, if I read a sentence, then I need to go out and do that. You know why that's dangerous? Because everything the Bible records is true, but some of the things it records genuinely and accurately are dumb things that people did and said, and sometimes evil things. But what is it teaching? What is the lesson? What is the message? What is the truth that God wants us to rely on? We have to know that. We have to be so saturated with God's truth that it just oozes out of us. You know, when something squeezes us, truth should ooze out. Truth. It's it's really a concern to run into people who profess to be Christians And they don't know their Bibles, they don't read their Bibles, they don't know the truth. And they end up doing things that aren't good because they don't know the truth. You can't do good without knowing the truth. So why not? It's very simple. Because you can't do good if you don't know what good is. Right? How in the world can we do good if we don't know what good is? How do you do good in your family? How do you do good in your job? How do you do good in society? How do you do good in the world if you don't really know what good is? Somebody's bound to say, well, yeah, but it's obvious. 
What's good is just happening. Really? Is that the sense we get when we look out in the world today that it's just obvious what the truth is? I don't think so. I don't think so. And the further we get from the knowledge of God's truth, the less obvious what's good and right becomes. It's getting less obvious all the time. What is good and what isn't? If you really want to know how to help people, genuinely help people, not just do what makes us feel good, but if you want to really help people, if you want to know how to really love people, if you want to know how to really influence this world for good, don't go by your own instincts. Go by what God has told us because God knows what's good. God defines what's good. And God, incredibly, has declared what's good. It is essential to do good to know what God has said. Bible. Third word, C word, confidence. Confidence. And I'm not talking here just about a positive attitude having an optimistic outlook, that's good, okay? I certainly think uh, a positive attitude is better than a negative attitude. But that's not what I'm talking about. And I'm not talking about having confidence in yourself or confidence in other people. I'm using the word confidence to describe what verse 2 calls hope. The hope of eternal life. Hope, okay, here it is. Hope is the confidence that God is going to keep all of his promises, that he is going to fulfill his plan, that he is going to one day right every wrong, and he is going to give lasting joy to everyone who trusts in Christ. That's hope. Hope is the confidence that good is going to win. And how can we have that? Because that's not how we're going to be inclined to feel sometimes. At times we are going to feel like evil is winning. And God doesn't seem to be doing a thing about it. And For us to do good feels pointless. Why bother? Look how terrible everything is. So how can we have hope even at times like that? Look at verse 2. God who does not lie. God does not lie. In, In the original, it's even stronger. It says, the unlying God. I think that means not just that he doesn't lie. I think it means he can't lie. It is against God's very nature to tell us anything but the truth. And this unlying God promised eternal life to those who trust in Christ. Look at Romans 8.32. God will never let the sacrifice of his son be in vain. You want to know how much God's committed to keeping his promise? 
Think of the cross, his son dying to accomplish something. And Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, look at this, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? What does that mean? Everything we could possibly need for eternal joy, God is going to give us. He promised, and he doesn't lie. So doing good is never pointless. It is always worth it. It is always necessary. But see, if you don't believe that, if you don't have that confidence, then you're going to feel like giving up. Why do good? What's the point? You know what the, you know what the root problem is? When we, when we fail to act with hope, when we fail to act with confidence, when we give in to the pity party and we say, oh, it doesn't do any good if I, if I do any good and it's all pointless and everything's just, you know, evil's winning. And You know what the problem is? I'm not talking about feeling hopeless. I'm talking about acting hopeless. Acting without confidence. You know the root problem here is we're calling God a liar when we do that. We're saying God can't be trusted. Yes, he said, he who did not spare his own son but gave him us for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? He promised that he would work all things to the good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. But then when we choose to say, but I can't live like that, I can't act like that, that's calling God a liar. Or that God can't be trusted. We can't do that. We've got to choose to live with confidence. Don't give up. Have confidence in God's promise. How we need to tell each other that every day. I need you to tell me that. You need me to tell you that. Especially when something ugly is going on. Have confidence in God. He's going to fulfill His promises. Acceptance. Accept God's position. Accept God's provision. Bible, know the truth that leads to godliness and confidence, the hope of eternal life. You're going to need those in order to do good. You can't do good without them. Let's pray. If you are here this morning and uh, God has spoken to your heart and you have realized that you need to accept that He is God and you're not and you need to receive His provision, His gift of eternal life that you can't possibly achieve, then I would encourage you to make today the day you do that. to just say, yes, Lord Jesus, I say yes to you. I want to receive all that God has for me and you. Come into my life. You call the shots. You be in charge. Acceptance. And Bible, maybe today's the day when you need to 
make a goal getting into your Bible more and confidence help others help yourself choose to put your hope in the, in the promises of God Father we need you so badly we need your strength we need your encouragement we need one another your servants to speak into our hearts and our lives we need to be honest with each other We need to help each other. Father, will you help us do this? Will you help us be people that can do good because we have these things in our lives. We have you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.